Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Steve Iacovelli about inclusive organizational cultures and consciously inclusive leadership. Steve Giacovelli, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have the chance to talk with you about leadership uh, and inclusive leadership today. I think this is always an important topic, but I think particularly relevant um, given that it's Pride Month and given that uh, the nature of kind of the broader societal topics and discussions that are happening um, right now and as leaders are trying to consider how can we better be supportive of our people and creating safe environments um, so everyone can be their their whole self in the workplace. Um, for my listeners, Dr. Steve Iacovelli is a hardworking, creative, and energetic professional with over 25 years of experience in learning and development, e-learning management, leadership, change management, diversity and inclusion consulting, uh, he has an MA in education policy and leadership development and an uh, educational doctorate in instructional technology and distance education. Uh, he's a published author. Competencies include change management, instructional design, instructional systems design, leadership and organizational development, diversity and inclusion, classroom facilitation, strategic planning, educational marketing and administration, computer-based training, web-based training, SAP, e-learning, professional public speaking, and keynote speaking. Um, a really great background. <clears throat> and uh, many of those things that you are interested in and passionate about are, are things that I'm interested in and passionate about. Hey, um, yeah, that's always, that's always <laughs> wonderful. Um, before we move on and uh, dive into our discussion, is there anything you would like to add um, no, to help the listeners get to know you better? Yeah, John, I, I think, um, thank you for, for sharing that. Thank you for the, the intro. I, I think to kind of summarize all that stuff is um, I'm a development professional that wants folks to be better than when I first met them. And that could be whether that, that that's their leadership awesomeness, that's their um, understanding how to create an inclusive culture, that's the change management piece, whatever that looks like. I've always, if I look at the thread of all the experiences I've had, it's really just trying to help people be their best selves. And I think that's a nice way to summarize uh, where my passion is and kind of where I focus my energy that that's wonderful that's a great way of framing it um, and that's that's really what drives me too I want to help people maximize their potential I want them to be their, their best selves and just as a little um, aside you know with your educational background um, it, it just reminds me of when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my educational background <laughs> um, I, I really wrestled with I, I originally came into this space 
um, with interest in training and development. Um, mm -hmm. And I wrestled with how and where to do that. And I eventually decided, you know, I wanted to keep a foot in the practitioner door, but I also wanted to go the academic route. Yep. Um, and, and when I decided I wanted to go on to do a doctorate, I really wrestled with like, what, what kind of program do I do? What kind of, yeah, what kind of degree do I do? And I was really close to choosing the instructional um, technology, uh, instructional design type of focus, leadership development <laughs> focus. Yeah. Um, and that's largely what I do now, but, but, I, but I ended up doing a, a PhD in sociology um, with a focus on work. And then yep. I just kind of mo moved in. The nice thing about academia and getting um, degrees is, it trains you, right? It gives you um, certain competencies, but then you can kind of go do whatever you want. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I um, because I'm from a family of, of K through 12 teachers. That's kind of you know what I've always seen growing up. Most of my family are are in that that world, and I I actually started undergrad or I was going to go to undergrad as a math educator because I, I math is my jam. I'm so excited, and then I I, was, I did theater in high school, and this woman who was a year ahead of me came back see like some show we were doing and it's like, you know, how's college? She's like, it's great. I'm a communications major. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, well, blah, 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 blah. You know, we do public speaking and we do this. And I'm like, that sounds more fun than math. So I changed before I even got on campus. And I, I'm actually so glad I did. Not that I, um, you know, fault any of my family or our educator friends in the world, but this was a way I didn't know it at the time. It's where God, universe, Buddha, Allah, insert your picture here guided me down the right path because I'm still an educator, but I play in the, the corporate side. And I've, I've dabbled in academia for a while, um, you know, kind of like a hot, like a hot minute, I like to say, but I, I so love the corporate setting. I love the organizational setting and just the nuance of, of working it primarily with adult learners, especially in that workplace context is kind of, kind of my jam. Awesome. And well, I need to add now that you said math education, because that's what my wife does. Hey, um, nice. <laughs> So Love lots it. of connection points here. Well, that's, that's beside the point. Um, we, we could talk more about that uh, <laughs> offline, but, but uh, today I really wanted to focus on, on inclusive leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's so important, as I mentioned kind of in the introduction, that we need to create safe places in our organizations where everyone feels valued, welcomed, um, where they, everyone has equal opportunity to contribute, uh, and everyone feels safe and that they can be their genuine selves in the workplace. Uh, and that hasn't always been easy uh, wow. for a lot of individuals. I, I, I would like to think that it's getting better and better, uh, but it's still really hard for a lot of people and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, so maybe let's start off um, with that. Thinking of leadership generally, but, but sure. how, how can leaders start to create a workplace that's more inclusive and, and more safe for all of their employees? Yeah, it, it's a great question, John. And it's when I, I've really been, um, you know, I, I finally found the sweet spot, the intersection between all the leadership stuff I've been doing over the years and then the diversity and inclusion and belonging stuff and kind of that intersection of, you know, what I uh, actually call being a consciously inclusive leader. And, you know, you hear a lot of conversations like unconscious bias and things. And, and I used to teach that, you know, years ago I worked at Disney and, and um, which was a great experience. I was like an internal consultant. And that was one of the topics we would always talk about. And I remember very, very distinctly one of the workshops very early on uh, kind of in my experience in, the, in this, this particular topic. 
and we were doing this you know, uh, workshop on unconscious bias. And I remember this, this person kind of sitting there, back of the room, arms folded, and I'm like, you know, do you have something to share? Yeah, well, if it's unconscious, I can't do anything about it, can I? Oh, well. And it really like slapped me in the face, you know, really like, oh, wow, that's a really interesting attitude. Obviously, that's not the attitude we want to pr promote. And um, so it really just got me thinking about unconscious bias. And I started using the phrase being consciously inclusive. And then, of course, tailoring that from a leadership perspective, because it starts with the leader. And I, I define leader um, in my latest book, Pride Leadership. I define leader as really anybody who's influenced in the workplace. So that could be uh, you know anyone, um, as long as uh, you are, you are in the workplace and you actually interact with other humans, you're a leader in my my perspective. So when I say consciously inclusive leader, it's not just the I have people who report to me kind of stuff, but it's being that mindful leader that says, you know what, how do I make the effort to have others feel included? And you know if you think about diversity is kind of like the mix of different people. Uh, inclusion is um, you know the kind of culture where we're trying to include others. So it's, you know, being asked to the dance is diversity and being asked to dance is inclusion. And then you have the concept of belonging. And that's fairly new in the DNI uh, space, diversity and inclusion space. And belonging is now from the employee centric. It's saying, I feel that I belong in this workplace. And to me, that's where we should be going as leaders is making it so that our, our people around us, whether that be our direct team members or others, feel that they belong in that workplace, that they're valued, that their authentic selves are, are honored for that different perspective that they're bringing to the table. And I think that's the cool spot um, and really where there's a lot of great work that we can all do together. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious, you've worked with lots of organizations uh, on these topics. Uh, I, I really liked your story about the, the, the individual at the back of the room um, who said, well, what can I do about it? I was, I was in a, a training session, um, well, this is maybe five years ago now, where a leader brought in someone to do um, unconscious bias training. Mm -hmm. And that was like, not just one person in the back of the room is like 75% <laughs> of the people in the room were that person, you know, right. and it was just awkward and, and uncomfortable and, and nobody seemed to be that. Well, there were some people, but m most people didn't seem to be particularly open no. um, to the type of discussion that was being had. And, and so it was sad and frustrating and, um, and I, and I wanted to see more. So, mm -hmm. So what's been your experience in going into organizations and helping to break down some of those barriers? I like how you frame, um, you know, that your, your alternative to unconscious bias, you know, in the walls that people might put up <laughs> where you call it consciously inclusive leadership. Yeah. But, but, but what do you do to help break down resistance and help allow, help people get outside of themselves for a moment. So they might be mm -hmm. open to some self-discovery. Yeah. And that's, that's a fantastic observation and question. Cause, cause you're right. A lot of people, you know, if you're going on quote unquote unconscious bias training, you're going in and telling people that they're racist or sexist or some ist, that's a really icky place for people to be, but it's the reality of humans. We all have some sort of bias in our world. If, if you are breathing, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, Got to say it, you're biased some way. Now, which biases you have, that's where it gets you know, very individualistic. 
So one of the things that I found to be really effective, and, and I, you know, I being we, Top, top Dog Learning Group, um, there's a, a pack of top doggers and those puns are definitely intended, <laughs> but, but me and my, my team members, um, when we do these workshops, what we figure out is along, along the way, you have to really appeal to head and heart. And that's, that's pretty much for any adult learning experience, but especially when you're going in and saying, hey, you're a blankist, but let's deal with that so you can be more effective in the workplace. And so what we found is whenever we start these conversations with our clients, we approach it from really the three main buckets on why do we care as an organization, as a business, as a non-for-profit. You know, and, and one is, you know what, it keeps us out of legal trouble. Depending on you know what state you're in, you know what country you're in, um, you know, there are certain things that you have to do at, from an inclusivity perspective to keep you out of uh, keep you in compliance. Uh, use my my uh, legal friend's term. So there's that. You know, it, does that make you feel good? No. Does that make your head feel ah, this is good for business? Sure. Then you look at the right thing to do. I mean, this is where the intrinsic value. Hey, you as a human, you want to be inclusive for folks. This is the right thing to do. So now you're appealing to the heart. Ah, okay, that makes sense. And then you say, okay, you know what? Even if those two are off the table, uh, despite how you feel, it's the right business thing to do. And studies prove time and time and time again, the more inclusive our leadership is, our organization is, the more successful we're going to be. And you can define success as money. You can define success as employee retention. I mean, all those whatever KPIs, um, key performance indicators, you know, define success how you want. But we start from those three buckets and we say, you know what? The legal thing, absolutely, we're not talking that today. The emotional right thing to do for the world, heck yeah, but that's not why we're here today. We're going to focus our energy on the business part. And that, that's a kind of against my heart, how, how, I, how I work, but it appeals to folks because to your point, John, you know, those people in the back room like, mm, I don't want to be here. They can kind of get behind, all right, this is good for business. I'm listening. And then it's just up to, to us, you know, the facilitators to sell it throughout. And, and usually like we do this as a one day kind of thing, pre-COVID times. Um, will we change people's behavior by the end of that day? No. But will we give them a heightened sense of awareness that they can take and do something else with? Absolutely, we can. And that's kind of the goal we have of the day. Um, you know, I'm not going to make someone um, not be racist in an eight-hour workshop. That's just unrealistic. And I blatantly say that to the clients up front. But if we can get them at the end of the day to say, you know what, this was worth my time. And I'm now going to go out and do some of the things that Steve and his team told me I can play around with to de-bias myself. Yes, then we got we to win on that one. Yeah, and, and there's actually a lot of research that shows that um, if done poorly, some of these discussions can actually make things worse, right? It can really, it can, it can blow things yeah. up and it can, um, it can re-entrench people uh, mm. into their biases, into their prejudices. So, so we do need to be careful with that. I, and I agree with you. I, I wish that people would just, you know, be intrinsically motivated to, to um, behave, you know, in appropriate ways. But frankly, I don't really care why people do good things as long as they do good things. And if, <laughs> if like people, that. if people will, will just behave well and not yeah. be not behave in prejudiced ways, you know, and try and f try to find ways to, to, uh, to address microaggressions and mm -hmm. other things like that. Then that's a win for the business. Yeah. And if that if that means I have to frame it in terms of the business case of diversity and inclusion and yep. belonging for those people that are more resistant, then so be it. You know, I'm, yeah. I, that's that's the step in the door 
you know, you get your foot in the door and then, and then as people start to live it and they start to, they start to have more positive interactions with people of difference, then, then they're able to change their thinking they're, So their thinking might lag their behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can put the, the proper incentives in place, I guess. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting just kind of to watch how it unfolds. And whenever you know, I I will be the absolute first one who who you know, quote unquote sells these to clients that these don't work. <laughs> Meaning, in and of itself, a one day is not going to change your business to be all of a sudden inclusive the next day. But it's one of, and this is where now we throw on the change management hat. You know, this is the one of the the multitude um, prong strategy to change the the behavior in the business. So it's. Yes, it's formal learning, it's informal learning, it's executive sponsorship, it's measurement strategies, it's communication strategies. All of those pieces and parts have to be there. And we always tell clients, we'll do the training part, we can do all the other parts too, but it really takes like a, a massive approach is that something you're willing to do? And we don't engage with clients if they only want to do, when I work for Disney, I work for the cruise line. And um, I used to sometimes run aboard the, the cruise ships and dunk the crew into whatever topic of the month was and run away. And I call that a ship dip. So that was more dumping knowledge, not really changing behavior. Um, at the time, that's all we needed. So that was fine. But if you look at systemic organizational change, that's not the approach to take. And I always tell my clients, you're going to promise me that if we're not going to do all these other pieces and parts to make that change stick, you're going to do it. Yes. And they're like, sure. I'm like, no, no, no. Sign here. <laughs> a unique way, I think, as a quote unquote training company to approach stuff. Um, it's fascinating, especially with this particular topic. It really does get to be, um, uh, you know, you're talking about unconsciousness, you know, and, and you're bringing that to light. And, and for some people, like, I'm not sexist. I'm not blind. And it's just always interesting conversations. But to your point, let's take a very, very savvy facilitator to navigate these landmines because people's emotions can be very high with these conversations. And so you have to really be able to pull that through so that people are in a comfortable space, they learn something, and hopefully at the end of the day, they go out and maybe do a little bit to de-bias themselves. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk... Uh, a little bit more specifically about 
LGBTQ plus uh, issues in the workplace and what, what leaders can do um, specifically uh, in creating a better, safer, uh, more inclusive environment for, for both employees and customers that um, identify yeah. as LGBTQ plus. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's, it's you're taking that conversation about being inclusive and now focusing it on a specific um, minority group. So in this case, we'll talk uh, LGBTQ+. I say plu because I lived in France, and it sounds better than plus. I don't know. It's just something I started doing years ago. But um, I, I like but that. What are the I've things that you that can before. do at... <laughs> It just sounds better. It's LGBTQ you know. Anyway, until we figure out the right way to stop all the letters, you know, that's just kind of my approach for it. Um, but one of the things that that I I, I suggest to folks uh, is is you know kind of gets back to that unconscious bias is to check your biases at the door. And it's those little tiny things you talk about uh, microaggressions. I use the term micro inequities just because Disney glass half full kind of mentality. Uh, so uh, don't talk about white privilege in my conversations. I say white advantage um, because some of those words are just trigger words for some folks. So, um, but when, when we as a leader, as leaders, um, just start to be mindful of say, let's say for example, the inclusive language I use. So instead of saying uh, to a male uh, colleague, oh, you know, or at, you're doing an interview and you don't go down that path of, oh, well, are you married? What does your wife do? Um, you know, and, and it's those little tiny things that really can be impactful to members of, of my community. Um, you know, looking at your HR forms, are they truly inclusive uh, to go beyond the binary male-female kind of thing? Um, are your um, images and your marketing materials representative of all different types of families, if that's kind of you know, your focus on energy? So I think it's as a leader being, getting to the mindfulness of looking around and saying, how inclusive are we being in our language, in our assets, in our you know, artifacts, meaning like the stuff on the wall, on the website, in the marketing materials, and just starting to think a little bit more broadly, coupled that with if you do have members of the LGBTQ community within your workplace, ask them what they specifically are looking for to be more included and inclusive within the workplace. And just, you know, you, you, um, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, leaders have a great opportunity to listen a heck of a lot more than I think we often do. Um, and so I think those are probably some of the things to start down that path. If you want to be a little bit more inclusive leader within that specific community. Excellent. And have you seen, particularly with this community, uh, are there any major red flag issues that you've seen repeatedly that maybe you could share with the listeners to to uh, help them you know I, i'm assuming people who are listening to this podcast are well-intentioned individual individuals you know they yeah. they're they're here because they want to to think about things and 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 learn and grow and and you know if someone is concerned about this and they want to know how they can be a more inclusive leader particularly for this uh community um, what are some of those those elements that trip people up repeatedly that people can help avoid? Yeah. So what, what I would say is, um, so in, in Pride Leadership, uh, my book, um, the full name is Pride Leadership Strategies for the LGBTQ Plu Leader to be the King or Queen of Their Jungle. While it is focused on um, kind of conversation is is forward members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, what we do is, is we talk about, or I talk about six competencies. See, I have all my swag with me for those who are watching. Um, this is my, my mouse pad. But um, these are the six competencies that I talk about in the book. And it's over 25 years of observation and kind of all that good stuff. But we talk about uh, authenticity, courage, 
empathy, communication, relationships, and shaping culture. And I think to kind of turn it toward the ally leader within the group, what are you doing to, for example, foster an organization that allows people to bring their authentic selves to work? Um, or what are you doing to be empathetic to some of the challenges that members of the LGBTQ community may be facing? So for example, until two weeks ago, as of today, um, in most states, someone could be fired simply for being a member of the LGBTQ community. A lot of my straight friends had no idea that was out there. Members of my community, oh, we were quite aware. Even when marriage equality kind of happened, um, you know, the old adage was, gee, I could get married on Saturday and then put that picture of me and my, my new husband on my desk on Monday and immediately get fired on Tuesday. And that was the reality. Right. That so many of us have faced. You know, if you look at the latest statistics from the Human Rights Campaign, um, I think the last latest ones right now they're just getting the 2019 ones. But I, in my book, I said the 2018. Um, uh, just about 50% of, of uh, queer, to use a general term, um, professionals are out at work. 50% are not out at work. That astounds me in 2020 or you know this this century, and and so. Being a leader and being mindful of that, um, uh, that sensitivity that some folks have, even after the SCOTUS ruling, I'm curious to see if that number goes up or not. Because some people now, they're so ingrained in their behavior that they hide those pronouns, that they don't put those pictures in their, their cubicle or their office. They, they don't talk about what happened this past weekend and what they did with whom and all that fun stuff. So, you know, just being mindful of that. And I think a smart leader who wants to be inclusive makes it very well known to all of those around them that this is a safe space. This is a place where I can, you know, someone can be their authentic selves, regardless of who that is. And yes, you're going to honor that and support that as a leader as best as you can. I, I think that's that's wonderful, and I I, I truly hope um, that that we can continue to make some steady progress uh, in the right direction here. You you talked about the the recent um, Supreme Court ruling, which I, I was very pleasantly surprised by. Um, <laughs> Me too. Uh, I did not see that one coming, and so I, I was very happy to see that. Um, and that's one step, right? One step yeah. uh, down the road of equity and inclusion, um, but, we, but we still need to do so much more. And, mm. and I, I get it, it's really hard uh, for, for people who, maybe they haven't had a lot of interaction that they're aware sure. of um, with people of the LGBTQ plus community. Maybe they grew up in a different time where there were dominant, you know, social narratives um, that were ingrained in their head that drive some of the prejudices and biases yeah. that they have. Um, I, I get that. Um, but we don't have to feel resigned to that. Uh, Correct. We, we can continue to, progress and move forward in a positive way and just respect the humanity of everyone around us. Um, treat, it's not a complicated notion to just treat everyone with dignity and respect, um, regardless of, of what their background is, regardless of a whole slew of demographic factors or, or characteristics. Um, we just treat everyone with dignity and respect. We create a safe place at work where everyone can be valued, where everyone can feel a sense, a true genuine sense of belonging, where everyone has an equal opportunity to contribute, where there is equity. That's, that's what's good for companies. That's what's good yeah. for, for society. And we need, we need to just keep doing the work to get there.
I, I, I yeah, I totally agree with you, John. And I think too, um, as a as a, a smart leader who wants to be inclusive, is take the next layer back and understand the concept of intersectionality. So just because I'm 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 a white gay dude, you know, well that that is part of my experience. My colleague might be a um, a black lesbian. So those those different pieces of her identity and my identity shape our individuality. And I think it's it's just being mindful as a smart leader to not do that broad um, generalization that you know all gay men need this, all bisexual women need that, and y'all trans people need this. And so, it, you know, it's really being mindful. You know, I look at my, my, my friends of color and, you know, who are members of my community, but they're going through a lot of different stuff right now. And they have been, you know, for, for times before. And, and so, you know, what is it that I can do as the white cisgendered gay guy to support them within my community and beyond? And I think it's, it's just, you know, to your point, you know, let's, let's all just support each other, whatever that otherness means and, and just go from there. And sometimes that just starts with what, how are you? checking in on people and, and you know, without being intrusive. Um, and, and then it's, what can I do for you today? And that kind of servant leadership idea, and that's not new to, you know, by me or anything, but just that nuance of it in today's context can go extremely far as being a consciously inclusive leader. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it has been a true pleasure talking with you, uh, Steve. Uh, the time has flown by. I wish we had <laughs> more time. Um, but before we, we end this episode, I do want to give you a chance, uh, to talk about your company, Top Dog Learning Group, um, help the listeners know a little bit more about the company and how they can reach out and connect with you and find out more about what you guys are up to. Yeah, thanks, John. We um, so as John said at the beginning, Top Dog Learning Group is a learning and development, change management, diversity and inclusion consulting firm. We're based in Orlando, Florida, but we have top doggers all throughout North America and beyond. Um, the types of things that we do are. You know, pre-COVID, uh, we would go to places and do workshops and, and, and seminars for folks. Um, we actually, be, because of my background in instructional technology, distance ed, um, the pivot was very easy. We actually have been doing that already. So we have both um, self-paced as well as uh, virtual classroom type programs that we do uh, on all these topics. Um, we help folks think about being more consciously inclusive within the work context. So that could be like a diversity audit we do and, and things of that nature. And I'm really just helping uh, organizations be more effective from a leadership perspective. Those are probably the, the highlights of some of the stuff they can do. And you can find out more at uh, topdoglearning.biz. We're, we're old school. We don't do the .com. But if you forget and do .com, <laughs> .com will still get you the right spot anyway, but it's .biz is how we do yes. it. Yeah, excellent. Well, I encourage uh, listeners to reach out to Steve uh, or a member of his team. Uh, look him up. I'll include um, your LinkedIn um, bio in the show notes and uh, just get connected. I, I, I really truly believe this is such an important topic. Um, I mean, the intersectionality that you're just talking about is key and, and we're, mm -hmm. man, right now, this has been an interesting year. This has been a tough <laughs> year. Um, and I, my heart goes out for people of color who are dealing with all of the turmoil um, mm -hmm. right now, but my heart goes out to uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community. And really we just, we just need, we can do better. We need to do better and we can support each other. And there's lots of ways that we can, uh, go about doing that. And Steve, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing uh, to help move the needle in this regard. Thank you. And thank you for being an ally. We, we all need those allies in all of our groups. So thank you for that. Uh, well, I try. I hope I, hope I um, <laughs> am a good ally. 
Um, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.